This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. If you hear this sound, that means this episode is also featured on our YouTube channel as a video. Head over to www.youtube.com slash keepitweirdpodcast to check it out. Warning! This episode contains foul language, mentions of murder and sexual assault, and we say penis a lot. for all things strange and unusual, cursed and killer, artificial and intelligent, and sometimes we get a bit naughty. Oh. <laughs> we are the luckiest girls in the universe because every week we have the pleasure of sitting down together and chatting about all things weird. Weird. This week is a wild ride, so buckle up. We have conspiracy theories, killer clowns, strange vacation destinations, and even a penis who has traveled the world. (laughs) I can't. We'll be boarding the Titanic, hitting up Chicago while H.H. Holmes' murder castle is still warm, and following a dick from an island in France all the way to New Jersey. So make sure you've got proper protection, look out for carnies, and women and children first. It's time to load these lifeboats and row. My name is Ashley, and this is one of my best friends in the whole world and my co-host, Lauren. Oh, hi, weirdos. That was the <laughs> nicest. Hello, weirdos. My sick widow baby. My sick widow angel. I am. I'm a sick one. Which, as one of the parents at Wilder School today pointed out to me, it was like, my voice doesn't necessarily sound that sick. Because it was mm-hmm. like, don't you always sound like a smoker? I was like, yeah. yes. Yes, I do. Um, but I'm a little congested. So you're going to yeah. hear a stuffy me. But you guys, you've heard us through everything. We have been like hawking loogies on this podcast. So I know you can handle it. We've been a mess on this show. So mm-hmm. you can handle a little sniffles. Plus, it's just that Got time sniffles. of year, man. Like, we're, I know. we're all going to be like sick eventually. Stuffy nose for like three months straight that's just how it goes you know yeah i know that you had kind of a shitty thanksgiving not shitty thanksgiving but it didn't go the way that you wanted it to yes i that's what i keep trying to tell people like we are alive we are fine like i got to sit in a hotel room for in san diego for a little bit which had like a nice cozy bed and a lovely hotels are great (laughs) 
shower. Yeah. So it was not the worst ever, but yeah, a little scary. Wilder got pneumonia, which was sad. <laughs> His little lungs had some crackles in them, but he is okay now. He's been on antibiotics, so he's good. And I'm just stuffy, so all fine. And I did still get to eat. Alex brought me home leftovers because I sent him nice. off to like all the activities because it was his family. And I was like, somebody should have fun. So I stayed in the hotel room with Wilder, but I got some good food. Nice. And you had, you had a great one relaxing, right? Totally. I mean, we just went down and hung out with my parents, watched a documentary about a cult. Um, you know, the things Ooh, you which do one? on Thanksgiving. Twin Flames? <laughs> no. The... Uh, cult of Mother other God. One. Love has yes. won. Yep. <laughs> Thank you. I, last night, like sick cocoon, I was I was watching that, and I, I just I started that. But watched I watched the last episode, which came out yesterday. Yeah, I haven't. I haven't watched. How many have there been? There's only going to be three. So there. Um, oh, the so I've watched one, two. Yeah. So the third one and third and final episode. The okay. third and final episode aired last night. So I'm probably okay. going to watch. I that. haven't watched that yet. When we're done recording. <laughs> right after this. Yes, please. Do you oh remember gosh. talking about that on the show? Yes. I couldn't find the episode. I was just telling Amy about this. I could not find we the episode did. where we talked about Mother God. I remember talking about her because I remember talking about how she took so much colloidal silver, she turned fucking blue. Yeah. Um, I couldn't find the Wait, episode. We definitely did. Okay. Yeah, well, we now absolutely I... did. I need to go down that rabbit hole. You know, hole. it's was one it, of those things whatever. where it's like, was it a bonus episode? Was it a um, This Week in Weird on YouTube? Was it a main oh, pod right. app? Like, fucking who we'll knows? But know. if anyone's listening to this it. and you know, please let me know. Because I want to hear like, what we had to say about it back in the it's day. It's Colts episode. Duh. Like, it's this one with Tyler. We'll find it. That would make sense. Our uh, listener, ooh, I'm not going to give your last name, Justine, because I don't know if you want me to uh, say this, but she... oh, I'm no Justine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she messaged me on Facebook and was like, uh, this is a friend of mine. The series is bonkers. I've heard stories about her old roommate before, but wow. And it's escaping twin flames. Apparently her, uh, one of Justine's friends, college roommate is the woman in the relationship the twin flame couple relationship who started the cult oh, oh <laughs> no and i was like i can't believe in my lifetime i'm going to meet and talk to so many people who have had close calls or like been yes. this close to cults because they're so wow prevalent. wow wow yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, that's wild. Okay, good so note, crazy. Justine. My yeah. goody golly. Yeah. That's wild. She said her friend said, like, she always thought this girl was fucking weird. <laughs> but she definitely well, didn't yeah. imagine that she would start, like, Not like an this. enormous cult. No. Well, what are you going to do? Yikes, bikes. You could okay. start cults well, with fucking leggings, y'all. Apparently. <laughs> you can so. do it. You can do it too. You can do it too. You too but can start a cult don't. in your living room. But listen, Ashley, like, obviously I was about to say, like, but please don't, don't start a cult. But you and I have talked about before. It would be so like, easy. Like, I would be down for, yeah, I would be down to start a cult or, like, somebody could get me easily if I am in a depressive, like, mode phase. Um, but, like, start a cult that's, like, fun. And I'm in, like, what did we say? We were, like, a co living on a compound with a bunch of our friends. Totally. And I would family. Absolutely do that. And like no going family. to a 
Yeah, I don't have to have family. That is so true. Sorry. Families for visiting. Families for visiting. Yeah, I love family you can so visit. much. But friends and like having mm-hmm. a drum circle and like a community dinner every night. Yep. Like I'm here for that. And Absolutely. you know, like the orgies are some people's cup of tea. I'm too tired, but like good for you. Like we could have them. I don't think I could be talked into joining a cult simply because I'm too lazy. I would make yeah, it to one meeting. there's a lot of work meeting. involved. Yeah, I'd make it to one meeting and then I'd be like, oh. <laughs> Twice a week? Have to be. Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I mean, Joe and I talk about it all the time where we're oh. like, listen, if we really, like, if we wanted to and we were the kind of people that could take advantage of people. That's my that's my only issue is that I'm not the kind of person that could take no, advantage of another I would person. Feel horrible. Because we could start a cult so fast mm-hmm. and make so much money. It is so easy. The charm that you and Joe have. Like the you end. would be in. Yeah, you make yeah. a website, use your charming personalities. I would join. I'd be in there. Yeah. And I know all you the have... weirdos would join too. We are they I have would. a built-in cult. We just have a ready, cult of our ready weirdos to start. ready to go. Anyways. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, Anywho, I, I guess. Too bad I'm not a shitty person. I wish oh, I was shittier. It's, it's too bad that you're Every day I wish great. I was worse. I know, because they get away with a lot of stuff, you know? They do. Damn it. That's okay. why we're poor. Okay, anyway. That's why we're poor. Um, Lauren <laughs> is going to start us off today. What do you have for us first, Lauren? First, thank you, Ashley, for passing it over. I'm going to start with Where in the world is Keep It We're Going? Where in the world is Keep It We're Going? Where in the world is Keep It We're Going? Where in the world is Keep It We're Going? We're going to a Connecticut, so not that far. <laughs> Once again, just a sm- short drive. Just a little, <laughs> yep, just just a little one. I know Connecticut so though. Funny. Joe's from Connecticut. I know anything about, about Connecticut. That. I know. I wonder if he knows anything about this. Okay, um, Waterbury, Connecticut, specifically. Yeah, I've heard of Joe. Waterbury. Mm-hmm. All right, here we are. Okay, we are headed to Waterbury, Connecticut, for a an abandoned theme park that exists. We like to talk about abandoned theme parks on this show and abandoned amusement parks, carnivals, and all those like urban explorers that go jump around in them. They look spooky as hell. So we're going to talk about one of those today. It is called Holy Land USA. Oh, it's, I know it is. It's fascinating. Okay. So in 1953, John Baptist Greco purchased Pine Hill, a 17-acre plot of land in Waterbury, Connecticut, with plans to build a religious theme park. I didn't know those could exist. Well, I don't think they do. Well, it's only (laughs) this one. It no longer does. Three years later, Greco erected a 32-foot-tall crucifix on the site in front of a crowd of a 1,000 onlookers. Everyone was so excited about this huge crucifix going up. And after that, Greco's organization that he had formed with some friends called the Catholic Campaigner Campaigners for Christ. Catholic Campaigners for <laughs> Catholic Christ. Campaigners for Christ. Campaigners for Christ. It, it's a tongue twister. Um, they used the Bible as reference and created a miniature town that they named Bethlehem Village. And they were like, let's just run with this. 
Okay. And to construct the attraction, the group was relying on donations, salvaged cement, wire, plywood, statues, mannequins, anything they could find, and some real soil from Jerusalem, because they wanted to be as authentic as possible. And sure. they put like old appliances, bathtubs, like anything they could find in junkyards because they were like, some of these appeared in biblical scenes. And they just set up this little Bethlehem village. And this just kept building, expanding, going and going. And it eventually spiraled out to become Holy Land USA. But first, on December 1st, 1958, Bethlehem Village, the precursor to all of this, had officially opened to the public. It was... It hadn't been advertised a ton yet, but some, you know, I feel like some people who knew about this Catholic group that John Baptist Greco had formed and, you know, some people from the church had come to visit it. And then John Greco got on the radio. He created travel brochures and put things in the newspaper and it spread like wildfire. So then like thousands of people started to come when it really got going throughout the 60s and 70s and interest was high. So the park just kept adding new attractions as they went along. Bethlehem Village then changed its name to Bible Park. And then eventually Greco created a model for Holy Land USA's giant Hollywood style sign. And it looks like the Hollywood sign that we see up in the hills here in Los Angeles. The Bible, like the Hollywood sign. That Hollywood (laughs) sign. That's right. Like all of us saints, no sinners here city of angels we are angels so he builds this huge hollywood-esque sign again this is like when you can look at the photos online it looks like the hollywood sign and that is where it got its name because that's how he was trying it out so it got its definitive name and the sign is just quite fabulous all lit up as they wanted it to be holy land usa It peaked in the 60s and 70s when it drew in 40,000 visitors a year. Damn! Greco encouraged 50-cent donations for parking, but admission was always free of charge, and local churches hosted collections that made enough money to keep Holy Land running. So they were good on their donations. They were making it. Then... After a series of fires ravaged Holy Land USA in 1974, the park was still open, but it did start to become a breeding ground for vandalism, as do most theme parks, carnivals, amusement parks, when any type of... Anywhere that doesn't have enough security. Yes, not enough security, and any time things are starting to fall apart a little bit, you know, oh, a fire, now we have some burned buildings, we have some construction happening, here's our opening to go in and vandalize because they're working on it. So people came in, and things were kind of turning to ruin in this one section of the park. Exhibits were destroyed, and the library and gift shop were severely damaged, and this was just the start of their troubles, but they were still staying open and being hopeful. And then... Things started to get added on. In addition to the 32-foot-tall neon cross that sat atop the hill I love above Holy neon. Land. Neon. Huge <laughs> lit-up neon cross above that Hollywood-style sign. They were like, come one, come all. We can be cool, too. We're trendy. Let's go. <laughs> The park featured numerous other biblical attractions. Visitors could walk around the Garden of Eden. Oh, Tour replicas of the catacombs measuring about 200 feet in length. View Christ on the cross, which I think like could why have been upsetting. But, and, I to mean, a theme else? park. 
and they would learn about the Holy Shroud of Turin. Sure. Turin? Turin. I don't know stuff. In, in yeah. a very special exhibit. Okay. So, this park had everything. I feel like, what is Bill Hader's character <laughs> Stefan. This park. Stefan. This had everything. Christ <laughs> on a cross. The catacombs. <laughs> Garden of Eden. Jesus on the cross. Yeah. The Holy Shroud. Slay. Um, okay, so it had everything. Yeah. In 1984, Greco decided to temporarily close down the park in order to make improvements mm -hmm. on these areas that desperately needed it and also to expand even more. Wow. He didn't have enough going on yet. He hired an architect who drew up plans for a new and improved park. It was in the making, but sadly, Greco passed away in 1986 oh, damn. during this closure. And Holy Land USA has remained closed ever since, still to this day. It's just ruins of what once was. Now there's overgrown plants, burned buildings and signs and horrible, bad shaped structures. It is officially a creepy abandoned theme park that urban explorers are having a field. Yeah, I know that it's abandoned and like all the pictures online, it looks like, you know, aren't from its heyday. But this looks like a janky piece of work. It better be free to get in. It's goddamn. Ooh, I, right? I mean, damn. It feels very just pieced together. Hot it feels damn. really uh, um, hodgepodge here. It does. And that it already had kind of an eerie look, in my opinion. So I'm glad you are seeing that too, yeah. because they were using, you know, donated and salvaged items. Yeah. But then Christians are thrifty. They are. We love it. We're here for a thrift. Hell yeah. But it did love look very deal. just like pieced pieced together and then on top of it once it became abandoned and vandalism set in it was just like just full-on ruins just dirty overgrown all of the things when you first mentioned it i was picturing do you, did you watch righteous gemstones yes of course okay you know how they have like their roller coaster and their little like theme park within their yes, compound that's yes, what yes, i was yes. picturing i was picturing like no they had no they have style <laughs> Yeah, this is different. Yeah, it is different. different. A little different. gemstones. A little bit different. So, Greco dies. He left control of Holy Land USA to a group of nuns. Okay. As you do. Along with millions of dollars for repairs and expansion. So, Homeboy was making some plans. Damn. And... The estimated construction cost totaled about $13 million. So the nuns were like, okay, he left us a ton of money. We can do this. But we do need to hire someone to manage our finances and help us out because... Yeah, because we're just nuns. Yeah, we're nuns. We are Simple women of nuns. God, but we don't like know what we're doing. So the person the nuns selected had previously helped them build a church. And they were like, we can trust you. Like, you're a financier. Oh, no. we, can, we can get in with you. But he turned out to be a crook. He suddenly disappeared and took all the money for the park <gasps> with him. And it just makes me so sad because, listen, whatever, I have my issues with the Catholic Church because of the way I was raised. I've been burned before, but nuns, I just feel like they are so trusting of everybody. And, like, they wanted to make this man's dream come true of his theme park. They trusted somebody. And they were like, we believe you're good because God believes you're good. And then... They and lost. then he wasn't good. They were swindled. Good lesson for the they nuns, though. Good lesson. You cannot trust everybody, and humanity can't always have faith in them. Can't. So unfortunately, they were swindled. And then with a lack of funding, Holy Land just continued to rot and look the way that we see it today. In 1988, the Catholic Campaigners for Christ, John Greco's 
group wanted to tear down the park's catacombs and the chapel attractions for safety reasons. They're like, this is just getting bad, but too dangerous. the group tried to request a bulldozer and then a local petition came through with a thousand signatures to stop the destruction. All of these Christians came forward and were like, you can't save Holy Land. And they had a whole movement towards it, even though they were like, we're just thinking of safety. So it got squashed. So they were just sitting there, like, waiting for a sign from God, I guess. And then, unfortunately, the worst thing happened in 2010. A murder occurred in the Holy Land. In the Holy Land? In the Holy Land. On consecrated ground? It happened. 16-year-old Chloe Ottman, who grew up in Waterbury, Connecticut, and enjoyed exploring the area with her friends, as did a lot of people, yeah. Um, she went there on July 15th, 2010, meeting her friend Francisco Cruz Jr. at the base of Holy Land's crucifix. They met up. It was just supposed to be a, a couple of drinks, some, you know, underage drinking together, having a laugh. Francisco, unfortunately, took things too far, as the male species tends yes. to do. And Men do occasionally. He essayed her and murdered her, leaving her body in one of the park's wooded areas, like just behind some of the attractions. Very sad. Ottman's parents filed a missing persons report after their daughter failed to return home, and Cruz confessed to the crime a few days later after denying he had any involvement or knew where she was. He, once he admitted to it, you know, all of this entered into the court system, he originally pled guilty, but then decided to change his mind and it agreed to plea guilty if they dropped the rape charges. And he was not very happy with the offer, but Ottman's father did eventually agree because he just wanted to put this to rest and was like, whatever yeah. you want, you fucking piece of shit. So he agreed to it, and Cruz was sentenced to 55 years in prison. May, okay. He rot there even longer. So that happened there. I just wanted to do that little case. I thought that was so interesting. And it shook Waterbury, Connecticut, because it was a wholesome town with Holy Land, USA, the only thing to its name. And here they are dealing with this, this murder, this assault, this court case. It was like suddenly they were getting you know more attention than they wanted. They couldn't believe anything like this happened. So... Citizens were like, please let this area just be in disrepair or tear it down. We need to do something else with it. And the nuns were also like, yep, we should sell it. I like, I don't want this cursed land anymore either. This was their tipping point. So the nuns put it up for sale. It took a couple of years because everybody was like, absolutely not. I this don't want it. Cursed now. Yeah, this is terrible. It was already spooky. Now it's worse. But then finally, Waterbury... Mayor Neil O'Leary and a local car dealer named Fred Blasius purchased Holy Land for three hundred fifty thousand dollars in twenty thirteen, and a steal. these men formed a steal for this land. <laughs> That's how much houses cost in this area. I so, like... no, well, yeah, truly, these men then formed Friends of Holy Land Waterbury USA and became their own little group and promised that the site would remain dedicated to Christianity, no matter what it turns into, because some changes are gonna have to happen with all of the ruins there. I thought it was fascinating. We'll see if it ever reopens, but Connecticut and the Holy Land. I love it. I can't wait to ask Joe if he knows about it. Lauren, have you ever I, been to Holiday World? <laughs> 
You're are you asking me that as a joke? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, you know how upset it was. You know how I feel about this you question. You know how I feel. <laughs> Because then the follow-up was the craziest part is that I was already upset I hadn't heard about it when you first mentioned it. But then talking to my sweet husband, Alex, who withheld the information, was like, you haven't heard of Holiday You've World. never and heard of like, Holiday what? World. So he's rude. I did think of that, though. When I looked this up, Me I was too. like, okay, so if we can do a holiday theme park, we can of do course a we can do a themed. religious theme, theme park. Like, we can do whatever we want. Yeah. It did kind of remind me of that, too. Like, for a second, I was like, I think it would be funny if there was just, like, a religion-themed theme park. (laughs) It wasn't just, like, the story of Jesus. It was like, here's Buddha Bay. And, like, Buddha Bay is, like, the the water park. (laughs) The water park! Buddha Bay! Buddha Bay is is the water park. We got to think of some others. It could be, like, Satan's satan's hell pit or something yeah you have to have the satan worshipers yeah everyone has to be included catholic cave catholic caverns i don't know no catholic caverns that's pretty good i mean caverns yeah there could could be be where you have lunch it doesn't have to be yeah there could be like a (laughs) uh the long walk for the mormons or something and it's just like a, a walkway I don't really know much about Mormons. So. <laughs> I only know the bad I know stuff about were. Mormons. So I, know, I don't think right? that's going to be like, included somebody in weigh fantastic in. <laughs> park. I have a good one. Um, From primitive tools to lost tombs, our history is a mystery that should be enjoyed with champagne wishes and caviar dreams. It's ancient artifacts with Addy Rhyme. I forgot that that was the intro. That's my favorite it's intro so, so far. <laughs> Please know you are so good at the that voice. if you buy oh my a segment on the show, we really put some work into the intros. Like some of our intros are just like, here's a cheer. And some of our Here intros are just like, here's me whispering by... Curse Crooners and Listen, Spooky Songs. Hello. There's a I was about to song. say, can we talk about our segment, our segment our purchasing tier? Segments? Because we have Damn. slate cursed crooners and lifestyle. <laughs> rich and fabulous as in ancient artifacts. Like, it's, ancient it's just so good. Today's ancient actually, artifact so is actually coming from the 1800s. So it's not super ancient, but it's such an interesting artifact that we have to talk about it. So today I'm going to tell you about Napoleon Bonaparte's penis. Great. I've been wondering <laughs> where that was, you know? Like, Napoleon's penis is in New Jersey. We'll get to that though. Napoleon Ooh, is <laughs> Why Jersey of all places? Okay, continue. Napoleon is a name on many people's minds lately. The Ridley Scott um, Epic was released last week, just mm-hmm. in time for you to watch it with your family on Thanksgiving. I Love it. did not go see it because it is two hours and 38 minutes long, and that's against my personal religion. Um, yeah, but for anyone who no. did, I hope you enjoyed it. And also, please write in and let me know if they discussed his penis. Uh, 
So, <laughs> Napoleon, for anyone who doesn't know the deets, Napoleon was one of the most successful generals of the French Revolutionary Armies. He was the Emperor of France from 1804 to 1814. He's still regarded to this day as one of history's greatest military leaders. Um, and if you didn't know that about him, you may have heard the phrase Napoleon complex, which I feel like a lot of women are familiar with uh, mm -hmm. because there are short kings and we love them. Love a short king. I fucking love, love a short, a short king. king. But there are also short men who are really aggressive and shitty. And those dudes are inflicted with something known as the Napoleon complex, essentially that they use their behavior to overcompensate for their height, which makes them, uh, feel insecure. In reality, though, Napoleon, so a lot of people don't know this, Napoleon was probably 5'6 or 5'7, which today isn't like the tallest person, but in the 1800s was completely average. So I was like, that's very normal. Totally normal. Um, yeah. But just a little fun fact, why does everyone assume he was so short? Well, cartoonists at the time, I love that we had like political cartoonists all the way back to like all the way it back started then. i think i think it started in like the courts of like oh, royalty because they were doing they the would, caricatures yeah they would like share they would just like share drawings of like oh the oh my gosh you know, king or the political cartoons yeah. they've been around so long so Man, um i love that Cartoonists at the time, most famously British cartoonist James Gilray, would draw caricatures of him depicting him as this tiny little guy. And the reason they did this was more so – so remember the Trump balloon yes. that was flying around the UK? It was like Trump is a big crying baby in a diaper. So that's yeah. kind of what the original Napoleon cartoon depicted was Napoleon as this little guy throwing a big old fit. Like he was like, man, a tantrum, but yeah. it stuck. Oh, and especially God. when Napoleon himself started throwing actual fits about the cartoons, it was like, okay, man, you dug your own grave on this one. You're always yeah. going to be depicted as a little guy. <laughs> You're fitting into what we were saying. Babe. So in 1815, during the battle of Waterloo, Napoleon got a little too big for his britches and ended up losing all of his troops uh 40,000 men he was defeated he spent the rest of his Yikes. life in exile on the island of saint helena in the south atlantic and he died in 1821 at the age of 51 the doctor that performed his autopsy was a real wild fella because for no reason that anyone can come up with at all. He removed Napoleon's penis. Why though? Just cause. to know. Just wanted to. Just he removed Napoleon's penis and gave it to a priest named Vig Vignali. And Vignali smuggled, what you do. That is. <laughs> smuggled the appendage to Corsica where he apparently had some old beef and was like immediately killed. But he left the penis with his family and they held on to it all the way until 1916. From there, it went to a British collector. And this wasn't too weird. Like, people had an obsession with Rasputin's penis as well after he died. Mm -hmm. But, like, as they should. Because Rasputin yeah. supposedly Rasputin. had a 12-inch dick. 
I would need to know. I'm going to need to. Well, you can see it. It's in a museum. Um, It's. Rasputin? Pickled. His penis. Just his penis. (laughs) It's pickled in a jar. Perfect. And it's on display at the St. Petersburg Museum of Erotica. But, however, even though the museum paid $8,000 for this pickled penis, most experts actually don't believe that it really belong to Rasputin claiming it's more than likely a severed cow or horse penis but like if it is well then that'll be big congratulations good for you honey well we see you good for you so in 1924 an american buyer purchased napoleon's penis and it was put on display in new york city in 1927 and around this time the french government was given the opportunity to buy napoleon's penis back but they were basically like we're good (laughs) we're We're okay we actually don't need it so rather (laughs) we're fine no no pass you, you have that Rather than becoming the property of the French government, the penis shifted hands several times before finally coming under ownership of urologist and Columbia University professor, 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 Dr. John K. Latimer, who bought it for $3,000 in 1977. Not bad. I wouldn't. Okay. Spend three. I sure would on... not spend three k on that ween, but, but you know, you know what? You got to steal after what people <laughs> were like trying to do. So. John Latimer is really interesting. He's an acclaimed urologist, but he's also a huge collector of historical relics. His whole career was wild. Like he, he actually treated top-ranking Nazis during the Nuremberg trials. And he was the first non-government medical specialist who was allowed to examine evidence related to the assassination of JFK. Okay, dang. And aside from Napoleon's penis, he also owns, um, or owned, sorry, he died, RIP. He owned Abraham Lincoln's bloodstained collar. And he had just what is referred to as a treasure trove of strange items related to the most important historical events, mostly of the 20th. 20th century um latimer this is kind of weird latimer was super protective of his napoleon penis he never put it on display supposedly he had it in a briefcase and kept it under his bed which oh why (laughs) why Why? did you do that i have all the questions why i know under your bed in a briefcase (laughs) like a little case i don't know if it was like a briefcase like okay there's no right answer there's no good answer but like a special case almost makes it worse almost makes it worse yeah if you like got a case like made for this penis yeah well here's the thing i need a special case for the penis I can't. <laughs> I know he didn't display it and wouldn't show it to people because, according to a quote from him, his son, he believed that urology should be proper and decent and not a joke, which, like, totally. Penises yes, of aren't course. funny. Yep, yep, yep. Except yep, yep. when they are. <laughs> Why are you hiding except this pee under a bushel? Show the world. After his you death. You are the <laughs> light of the world. Yeah, you've got to show it. After his death in 2007, his family still to this day owns the penis. 
And to this day, only about Still. 10 people have seen it. It's never been photographed or filmed. But the story does not end here. However, in 2014, a Channel 4 documentary series called Dead Famous DNA got to examine the penis. Um, okay. Unfortunately, the penis was not properly stored in formaldehyde or anything, I guess, when it was originally oh, removed. No. Like, I don't know how that, like, I don't know if he just put it in his pocket. I have no idea how it was stored. I don't really oh want to know. Gosh. But I can't even think about that. That's it, awful. It caused the penis to basically be a shriveled up piece of nothing. Like it, like if you saw it, you'd just be like, "What's that shriveled up little thing?" But university, Is that a carrot? Is that an old carrot. <laughs> university X-rays and examinations determined it's for sure a penis, and according to historical records that have been confirmed, it is the penis of Napoleon Bonaparte. No! Yeah. It is? It's his pee-pee. It's a shriveled up old dick. Mm -hmm. If you dick. guys actually want to know more about Napoleon's penis journey around the world, there's know. a book about it. It's called Napoleon's Privates, 2,500 Years of History Unzipped by Tony Perrotet. Thank you so much, Tony. Doing the Lord's work. Doing wow. the Lord's work. No information regarding whether the penis is still hidden under someone's bed or what the hell Latimer's family did with it after he died. So I'm actually, I'm trying to think of where I would put a penis if I had one. In my house. I know. Would it be <laughs> <laughs> if I just had one chilling in my house? Where where would I keep a penis in where my house? Where would I keep it? Maybe I would have a special case. I feel like I'd put it in a jewelry box. Oh. I don't know. A jewelry box would be you a know, good idea. You know, just some, to like check on every once in a while. Some people keep like their. Did you keep it, the umbilical cord when it fell off? No, a Thank lot of people you. do, but it was one of the nastiest things I've ever seen. And so we took a picture just in case we ever regretted it. There's a picture on Alex's phone of it in my palm. And have you just looking ever, brown and nasty? Ever? I've never been looked like, at it once. you know what I want to look at? And then we the fucking we tossed it. Cord. Yeah, to throw we it away. Tossed it. Yeah, throw it it's, away. It's been, uh, it it went <sighs> to the dumpster. But yeah, I guess I guess wherever you keep an umbilical cord is where I would keep a shriveled up little penis. Mm -hmm. But I don't know where people keep their umbilical cords because I it don't. It could know be in like a little jewelry box. That's what a I'm jewelry saying. box, like where you keep like my mom used to keep our baby teeth in her jewelry box. I know I we've talked about that. That's another and finding it and being like, ooh. That's another reason I said it because we have talked about keeping the baby teeth on the podcast before, and I'm like, I know people keep them in like little fancy boxes. Yeah. So I guess that's where you'd keep a penis, and then you just check on it every once in a while. <clears throat> nope, but it's not for me. No, it's for another. It's, it's for, for someone me. else. And that was ancient it's... artifacts with Addie Rye. Addie Rye. <laughs> I have an ancient artifacts um segment coming up in a future episode and so i need to get the voice down and mm -hmm. i hope i can do it the service <laughs> that ashley has done it my goodness i'm gonna have to practice over the next week okay well i can always sub in you can tag me in and i'll be like ashley introduce this <laughs> you may need to introduce this one as well because i <gasps> forgot but i didn't forget my oh it looks like a penis hey it's, that's it's kind of the theme phallic, this week, it fits. So it's fine. i know it fits 
Oh, Here we go. Conspiracy theory. Conspiracy theories. Put your tinfoil hats on. Get your tinfoil hats for this conspiracy. Yes, please. We love a conspiracy theory we on this it. episode, and Ashley is right. We have touched on it. She knows a little bit of what we've talked about. You all might as well. But ever heard of the Titanic? <laughs> The Titanic. Oh, Rose. <laughs> I just can't. Why do we only reference the movie? I know. I'm like, this is an actual thing that happened, but my God, it's the movie that it's gets such a to good me. Movie. But of course, this was a horrible, horrible tragedy. thing. Nothing to laugh about. So, ever since that gorgeous luxury liner went down, mm-hmm. conspiracy theories have come out year after year, getting totally. more and more elaborate. Some make you say, maybe. Others make you laugh and you're like, you're absurd. No. And some just make you angry. It's it's everything. It is all ends of the spectrum. But they're all, for the most part, pretty fascinating. And I am always so intrigued, which is why we talk about conspiracy theories on our show. Like, the facts that people piece together to make into something. So I, that is what is happening today with a Titanic conspiracy theory yes. that I have found. Um, I think this is going to be a fun discussion. Um, in regards to the Titanic, though, we have covered some conspiracies already. If listeners and watchers out there are thinking like, you've already talked about this. We did talk about the elaborate theory of the Titanic being switched with its sister ship, the Olympic. Mm-hmm. And there was I also the that potential. One. Honestly, I'm, in. Um, I'm all in with that one. I'm sold. Also, this is going to fall off. But yeah, ding, go ahead. Ding. Also, potential insurance fraud scams, which that seems like this would be such an elaborate way to go about that, but not totally impossible. So we've discussed a little of that insurance fraud that went too far, being switched with the Olympic, what have you. But I came across a new conspiracy theory actually just a few months ago on TikTok, where Ashley and I learned so very much. Everything I know is from TikTok. (laughs) I learn it all. Um, And I had it written down as a topic ever since. So here we go. The Titanic truthers, as they call themselves online, are passionate. And it's an interesting watch or listen, regardless of what you believe. So go check it out. But the latest theory, and this also came back to the surface after the submarine that sank with all the rich people on it. Then everybody was like, eat the rich. Here's more rich people. Titanic things. John Pierpont Morgan, or... JP Morgan, JP. as you may know him. Mm-hmm. And we, Ashley and I, pretty much only know of JP Morgan's existence because of <laughs> Sonia Morgan. I'm just kidding. We know things. We know things. But I've Sonia heard the Mo- name. Sonia Morgan. Sonia Morgan is a housewife on the Real Housewives of New York City. She's completely unhinged. I have seen her breasts in person. Um, In person, Ashley saw them. uh, Because she showed the entire audience within 30 seconds of uh, coming on the stage. She actually married J.P. Morgan's son, correct? Yes. Yeah, probably was son or son of son. Or, yeah, maybe yeah. grandson. 
Either way, yes. he was still a lot older than her he was when Morgan. they got married. He, he was, was yes. a descendant of J.P. Morgan. Go on. We love you, Sonia. Love you, Sonia. Um, <laughs> J.P. Morgan did indeed have a connection to the Titanic. His international mercantile marine company mm-hmm. owned the White Star Line, which built and operated the Titanic and a few other ships that we've discussed. And Morgan witnessed the Titanic's launching in Belfast on May 31st, 1911. He was there for a lot of it. He was in on those initial discussions. Like he was very involved. Not only did he own the ship, but he was very involved. They had a special suite for him that had like a million bathtubs, a sauna. Like it was the fanciest because they were like, JP Morgan, like you do whatever you want on our ship. So he was involved. The conspiracies say J.P. Morgan was supposed to be on the Titanic's first voyage, that Mm. first trip, but at the very last minute, canceled right before, it was April 9th, right before it sailed on April 10th, 1912. He canceled his departure from Southampton, England on the Titanic. And then the conspiracy goes that Morgan did this on purpose because he somehow, with his connections, had the ship sunk. Because he wanted to get rid of his enemies and fellow millionaires, Jacob Astor, Isidore Strauss, and Benjamin Guggenheim. These men were millionaires and supposedly J.P. Morgan's biggest rivals. Okay. And J.P. had some connections. So, like, could it have happened? I don't know. It's a lot to kill, like, upwards of 1,500 passengers on the Titanic. Yeah. Like lot, but, but what? what? Okay. Go listen, on. Here's listen. here's how the theory goes. So it's again like we listen. we can say what we want at the end. I'm open. My heart is open. My mind is open. I'm ready. All right. Jacob Astor, who was at the time the richest man in America and owned a lot of hotels, condos, housing going up in like some of the wealthier cities. He was the richest man in America. And it this was a title that JP Morgan had always wanted. So mm-hmm. he is like enemy number 1. Right. And then on top of it, the others come into play because they're also very wealthy. They're, you know, putting his level at stake. But it is said that these three men, these three millionaires also opposed the Federal Reserve being established, which would be like the first central bank Mm -hmm. in the U.S. being formed because they did not want, and a lot of America did not want, to be fair, a central bank to exist because it felt like we were just following what England was doing. And it's like, didn't we already get away from these guys? We came all the way over here to get away. We did this. Yeah. We don't have the royal family. I don't know why the glasses <laughs> had to come into play, but they did. Um, they didn't want the central bank. So it was it was opposed by other people, but apparently, and it this is very hard to prove because again, like they were on the Titanic and I'm about to talk about their fate, but we could not get all the history of this. Did they actually oppose this so seriously? This is all hearsay. But apparently these three were rivals. They opposed the Federal Reserve, which J.P. Morgan so badly wanted to establish and was fighting hard for. This was his main thing. He's like, I have a little bit of a platform. I'm rich. I want the Federal Reserve. Congress has to listen to me. So these are his rivals. All three men passed away on the Titanic Um, They were all with their wives, except for Guggenheim, which I should have done more research on this. I don't even know if Guggenheim was with anybody, but Guggenheim was alone. The other two died with their wives. Very romantic. But they went out 
They didn't try to get on lifeboats is what is said. But again, this plays into the theory of, or were they not allowed on lifeboats? Because the wealthy, it was women and children first, of course. Yeah. But then the wealthy, it was like, you can do whatever you want. Like slip some money in my pocket. I don't care. But they did not make it on, quote unquote. So that is a sus thing. But all three of them passed away. And then JP Morgan, who had canceled his trip just a day before, was good to go and did continue to urge Congress to bring in the Federal Reserve and won and did bring in the Federal Reserve. Obviously, the Federal Reserve Act was established by Congress in 1913, the year after the Titanic sank, because that was in April 1912. So that's a little sus. And also, what's his toes? J.P. Morgan... (laughs) canceled his trip the day before the Titanic took off. But Jacob Astor, the main enemy, richest man in the world, bought his ticket the day before. So last minute. And nobody really knows why he hopped on there last minute. So that's Mm. interesting. It was like, why the trade-off? Who convinced you of what? So there's some things going on there. Then how did he do it? Yeah, how? (laughs) And that is where the theory gets muddy. So well, this here's is why we thing. put out all the facts. He was so rich, he could afford so very rich to make his own icebergs. <laughs> he totally. I like, have here, seen take my ice ice. sculptures on so many episodes of Real Housewives. Okay, I know they have money for ice. She ain't wrong. There's some money for ice. They've got ice money. I believe they had that ice money. What Ashley is saying, but. The theories are, again, it's muddy, so, like, you make your own decision. I'm just telling you. The ship had the wrong signal flares, very intentionally, to send up for an emergency. The captain of the ship was in on it because we all know the stories. The lookouts didn't have their binoculars. He ignored orders to slow down, all of those things. And everyone, not everyone, but some witness testimonies after the Titanic sank and people were trying to investigate this, it was like... The captain was weirdly nonchalant. Like, everybody says he was so calm. He was so strange about slowing down. He was so strange about helping the lookouts. He was strange about a lot of things. And people believe that the captain was in cahoots with some wealthy players that were involved in White Star Line. Did the captain survive? No, he went down with the ship like a gentleman. Oh, he chose to die. As the... As the movie taught us, he was like, I will go down with my ship. But also, that was not just the movie. That turned out to be true, where everyone said, like, he could have easily gotten on a lifeboat. He was offered one very early on, but was like, I will go down with my ship. So, tried and true. Um, Good captain. But they think, even so, as, like, Hmm. much of a man of the sea as he was, that he could have still been swayed to do something in some way. Because I don't think he realized how bad... It was going to go. It was like, I want you to like hurt a couple people, but maybe not kill everybody. And clearly everything went well. Wrong. And there's no, there's no proof that so, someone wasn't murdered on the Titanic before the ship went down. Like, how would you prove that someone percent. had been like shot in their living quarters or stabbed or something? It could have been murder prior. Yes. But that right. is so true. It's like, maybe there was supposed to be like more of a, shootout on board and it's like well that didn't happen but guess what you got your wish anyway um so there's just some fishy things with like the captain being in cahoots with jp morgan and like some of the fishy things that he was doing and 
like all like the guys getting on later than they were supposed to JP Morgan canceling last minute because he said I have to stay abroad my art dealer is saying like there's an issue with US customs and he can't ship all of my pieces so I have to stay here and fix that. Okay. That totally could have been true but a little like I don't know it's a little sus I I can't decide how I feel. And regardless of what happened we can all make our own minds up it what it could be an elaborate murder plot or simply as we all mostly believe through history a horrible tragic accident but yeah. whatever the case jp morgan was a lucky son of a gun because he was alive did not go on this trip where he easily could have died and he became the wealthiest man in the u.s and from all of his urging and encouraging congress they did finally pass the Federal Reserve Act, Re Federal Reserve Act in 1913, the year after the old Titanic sank, and basically he got everything he ever wanted. Wow. So we can't help but be a little suspicious. I, and mean, I get why the questions are being asked. Here's you know? the thing: it, it seems more to me that he made the, a deal with the devil, or maybe his art dealer. Oh, maybe his art dealer gave him a lamp with a genie inside and his wish was i wish to be the most wealthy man in the united states of america mm -hmm. no problem and the genie said it's a Done. monkey's paw can't go on this ride. it's a monkey's paw because you don't know what how you're going to become the richest man in america no but wish granted wish granted and then it's like ah oh, can't go on this trip because my genie my i can't leave my genie and this genie over here and told me genie told pieces. me he gets seasick and Actually. he can't get on a boat That's yeah all I'm listen saying. i figured so this like, one out don't worry guys the truth is out there i got this one you're welcome thank you ashley you're that's what i'm here for okay so we are running out of time, but I am going to. I know, oh my God. I'm going to do my last segment. It's a short story. Um, this segment is called. <laughs> Creepy Clown Watch. Yikes. It's a new segment. This one sucks. So, is it <laughs> sucks. sucks? Is it one that we needed? Oh, I'm nervous. No. Okay, it's fine. No, it's not. But you know I, what? I it's not the segment it. we wanted, but it's the segment we need right now. Chicago, 1908. Chicago. The city's still pulling itself together after the World's Fair and the discovery of H.H. H. Holmes' murder castle and all the horrific things that he Lord, was doing yeah. there. Um, but a woman named Frances Thompson was found strangled to death and robbed in her home on the 1200 block of South Michigan, which for anyone who is familiar with Chicago today, that would be over by Field Museum, the Aquarium, Soldier Field, etc. Mm -hmm. So that's where she lived. Um, back then, before, you know, the high rises, this was known as Automobile Row because of the amount of horseless carriages that would line the streets, which is cute. Mm -hmm. Horseless carriages. A man named Lumen Man was tried for her murder, but he was acquitted for insufficient evidence. Interestingly enough, the only newspaper that I found on Lumen Man 
was right out of the Champaign-Urbana area, the Urbana Daily Courier, (laughs) on October 13th, 1908, with a tiny little article claiming, Rich Man's Son Accused. Um, It read that Lumen Man, the son of Orville Seaman, a prominent and wealthy citizen of Oak Park, Illinois, was brought to Chicago Saturday night and locked up on the charge of being the murderer of Miss Fanny Thompson, who was found strangled and bound hand and foot with a clothesline in a rooming house at 1242 Michigan Avenue on July 1st. Uh, just FYI, that building is now a Jimmy John's, a Bank of America, and a PETA haven. So, oh my gosh, all the, time <laughs> all the times have of changed. the turntables. Anyways, they didn't have any evidence to convict Mister Man. I don't even know why they thought he did it. There's really no, there's nothing on this. Like it was a little thing that happened. Um, Orville Seaman, though his wealthy father did receive an anonymous note during the trial telling him that he could solve the murder himself if he went to Riverview, the North Side amusement park, and found a clown with a wooden leg. Oh, now, terrible. <laughs> no one knows if Orville followed up on this clue at the time or if anything ever came of it, but... Four years later, a clown with a wooden leg definitely committed a murder. In the early 1900s, a man named Charles Newton Kramer and his wife Mary, they were entertainers who traveled with the circus. Mary was dubbed the Queen of Burlesque, and she was also a lion tamer, which is fucking badass uh <laughs> what a bad bitch you can be sexy and burlesque and tame, and a, tame lion. a lion like are you kidding me Crush. charles filled various roles at the traveling shows but the most popular one was definitely his alter ego of conway the clown <laughs> hate it hate already it. In 1912, um, an heiress named Sophia Singer and her fiancé, Will Worthen, moved to Chicago and immediately met up with the Kramers, primarily Mary Kramer, as she and Sophia were good friends. They had met several years earlier. They were both living in the same boarding house, and they continued to write each other for years after that. And Sophia wrote to Mary saying she wanted to elope with Will. And Mary was like, come stay with us in Chicago. Like, just come stay with us. And then you can go elope and whatever. Sophia was like, hell yeah. She planned on getting a hotel. But the Kramers had another idea. What if we all rented an apartment together? Wouldn't that be so fun? The best idea I've ever Oh my god, it would be like I friends. Everybody. That's what they said to each other. It would yeah. be just like friends. Oh. This was 1908. They did not I'm say Monica, that. Let's go. Yeah, of course. Um <laughs> it wasn't fun. According to Will Worthen, who was actually not in Chicago, he was doing business in Muncie, Indiana. He claims that he and Sophia paid for the room, the food, basically all the expenses. Apparently Charles Kramer Conway the Clown had come from a prominent family and was left with a sizable estate when his parents died. So they assumed didn't put in his money. Well, that's the thing. They assumed that he was wealthy. They had that he had money. And maybe he did, but he was not willing to spend it if he did. Like he and his wife Mm. lived on handouts. They would swindle people. They swindle their own friends. Just like a fucking carny. So fucking carny. (laughs) 
Just kidding. I mean, I, I have I have almost no opinion on carnies. Same, actually. Yeah, I, I, positive or negative, I have nothing to say about them. But not even a month into this fun little roomy search in Chicago, Will Worthen called and was like, this is not working out. We need to both return home to Baltimore and just like get married and do the traditional wedding he wasn't trying to be an ass he was just like hey this isn't what we thought it's not working out i'm tired of paying for your life as well Mm -hmm. but that pissed the kramers off they wouldn't talk to them like despite living with them they just like made the whole environment really hostile and the couple was ready to just like get the fuck out of that apartment and chicago let me be free this is toxic so on, to- uh, on October 28th, 1912, Will Worthen headed downtown to do his usual like Saturday. I actually don't know what day of the week it was, but it seemed like a Saturday. He headed downtown to do some gambling. He liked to bet on the horses during the day. And then he would like bet people in games of pool at night. And then he would come home nice and sauced, nice and sauced up for his fiance. It's really sauced up and generous. Ready. And that was exactly what he did that day. But when he returned to the apartment that night, the apartment was locked and the keyhole was stuffed with something. So he was yelling and drunk and pounding on the door um, to have someone let him in, but no one came to the door. And he thought that was really weird. Um, The noise got the attention of the landlady and working together, they cleared the keyhole. They got into the apartment. And as he went through the apartment looking for his, you know, roommates and his fiance, no one was there. And he ended up breaking into the Kramer's room because he was like, my fiance should be here. Um, He found her legs sticking out from under the bed. And when he pulled her body into view, her face was covered with a pillow. Her hands were tied with a clothesline. And she had clearly been beaten and strangled it was discovered oh. later that charles kramer's own handkerchief was shoved so far down her throat they needed a pair of pliers to get it out yikes wow that's so horrible over three thousand dollars worth of her jewelry and a thousand dollars cash was missing and the search for the kramers took over headlines all over the country the police were pretty confident that they had one were looking for the right people and two that they would find them seeing as he was a one-legged clown uh and he was right yep, uh, <laughs> yep. they we're gonna find were you. found pretty much right away and they were arrested they were in lima yep. ohio where charles was actually born 26 years lima. earlier they both mm. confessed immediately to the murder, but Charles' story was a little strange. According to him, his wife had absolutely nothing to do with the murder, even though she had already confessed. He didn't know that she had at the time. But she had. But mm-hmm. Awkward. He said that the motive was not her wealth, but that it was self-defense. according to him while will was out gambling sophia barged into their room and started to argue with them and mary kramer george or charles's wife supposedly left the room at that time and then sophia attacked charles with a doorknob that had a handkerchief and shoelaces tied to it that's what he said 
He claims he fought the doorknob away from her and knocked her unconscious before tying her up and running into the kitchen to tell his wife that they had to leave town right away. Um, and in court during his testimony, he said, I killed her in self-defense. I did only what nine out of ten other men would have done in a similar circumstance. That doesn't make me feel any better. That's worse. No, and also... And also... She was strangled. None of your story. <laughs> yeah. She was strangled and tied up and nothing about what you're saying is self-defense, actually. But also, never use the argument I would have done what nine out of ten other men would have done. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I bet. Yeah, I bet you did. And I hope that they all see the inside of a jail cell, too. But speaking of shit, he said at the trial, this guy was a real clown. A real one. Apparently, yeah, real one. throughout the whole ordeal, Charles just acted really nonchalant and indifferent. And he even uh, he was even joking with the police. Like at one point, he stopped his own interrogation to say the say to the captain, say, captain, do you know that in this case you can't hang a man with a wooden leg? And the captain, not in the mood for jokes, was like, uh, there's no law against hanging a man with a wooden leg. And Kramer replied, sure, there is. But you have to use a rope. <laughs> that is so mm, you can't hang yeah. a man with a wooden leg yeah we get it during the trial thank you for that both of the kramers actually recanted their confessions they actually said they were bullied into confessing by the police but that accusation didn't work the pair were convicted of murder both of them Charles was sentenced to life at the Joliet, Illinois Correctional Center, and Mary was sentenced to 14 years in prison, of which she would only actually serve one year. One. But okay. listen to this. As Charles was being led away from the courtroom, he was shouting that he would get out of this. But everyone was like, yeah, yeah, bye forever, dude. I feel like we've seen that before. Like, <laughs> you won't keep me locked up. Well, yep. that was 1913. And in 1925, he escaped from jail. Oh, when no. he fled the prison farm he was working on, still limping around on his self-carved wooden leg. And he... <laughs> Was never found. That, that's it? He was never found. He was just gone. The very last mention of him in any newspaper that anyone can find is from 1932 when it was reported that his mother was trying to get a judge to declare him dead so she could collect on his life insurance. Um, sure. No one has ever successfully connected Charles Kramer to the original murder in 1908 of Franny Thompson. So that murder remains unsolved to this day. But could the anonymous letter have been leading Orville Mann in the right direction after all? The world along. will never know. And what happened to I love Charles and hate Kramer? Stories like, like this, this killer clown it's... just like got away on the loose. On the yeah. loose, so he's dead. I'm knocking things Luckily, over because I'm so passionate. He's far dead by now. This was a long time ago. Sure, but it's like if we're doing the math, like he's dead. But it's like never found again. Just got out of prison, escaped. I can't. Yep, that's so creepy, so that and is I hate him. Creepy clown watch. Creepy clown watch. The as, as you said, the segment, I'm like, I don't want this, but we might have needed it because that story is fascinating. 
I, I only want to create a segment if I know that there can be like repeats. There's more. Yeah, there can be more stories. And I know there's more killer clown stories out there aside from yep. the obvious one, Gacy, who was like, also in Chicago. I was going to say, when you said like clown, Chicago, I was like, is she doing John Wayne Gacy? Like, does this Different girl killer clown no, in but Chicago? It's, it's so real. The Midwest yeah. and their killer clowns. Yeah. I am sorry, everyone, for our area <laughs> of the country. But that is all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you so much for joining us. As usual, we love you very much. We hope that you are having a great December. It's December 1st. So if you're not having a great December, That's just wait. Incorrect. <laughs> Can't be. Not only that, we have three episodes left in this season. So if there's anything you want us to cover before we get to the end of the season, you know where to find us. Keep it weird podcast at gmail.com or you can um, uh, follow us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter. I haven't tweeted in a long time. That's unlike you, so I need you to get back on it. You are our only connection to Twitter. X. X. Oops, sorry. It's not Twitter anymore. Ooh. You don't tweet. You Ugh. X. Ugh. Uh, also please consider donating to our Patreon www.patreon.com slash keep it weird podcast it's how we produce this show and you also get bonus episodes um, and uh, you don't get a newsletter anymore sorry but one of the bonus episodes is a newsletter and actually Amy and I the weird report, <laughs> the weird report Amy and I came up with a very fun trivia game that we Ooh. are going to be playing either on our bonus episode in December or on a main pod app. I haven't decided yet. So Okay, if it's on your bonus episode, you can, can I at us. least yes, be there yes, to listen yes, in? Yes. I was like, I love I need you both. I need you and Amy both. So it's either going to be a main pod app or a bonus episode. Um, it is a lot Sold. of fun. If you want a sneak peek, basically. Nope, I'm not going to tell you. It's a surprise. Okay. So ooh, ooh, to okay. end our episode, mm -hmm. as we did last time, Lauren and I are actually both going to try to guess the card. If you are watching this episode, you can see what card we are trying to guess before we even guess it. If you are listening in this episode, think to yourself. See if you can guess it. Um, uh, once again, the shapes are squares, squiggly lines, stars, circle, and a plus sign. Are you ready? I'm going to show the card. Look away. Okay. Shutting my eyes. Okay. I showed it. And it's time to relax. Are you getting anything? I'm not this time. I feel like last time I saw the window, so I thought plus line. Okay. Currently, I'm seeing a slightly rounded square. So I, I keep wanting to say square, but it's round, rounded on the corners. I keep seeing a crucifix. Enough to where I'm like, <laughs> okay, well, then you should say plus. That's what I'm thinking, but it was a plus sign last time. Is that cursing us? So, but that can still happen. That's true. See, that's where pe people get too deep into probability and then they're like, no, but... You should say plus sign. I'm seeing rounded squares, so I'm like, I want to say square, but I don't know. Okay, let's check. Square or plus sign? Oh! Well, <laughs> listen. 
Not even, Not even close. close. It's a star for anyone who's listening and wants to know. It's a star. We are it's a star. We not psychic once again. But the most listen. miserably we've ever failed. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty pretty bad. That was actually I feel like usually so there's like from... a hint of hope and then it's like, oh it's no, like, this oh, is I like was just thinking wrong. maybe because no. Okay, well, listen, maybe next time. Nope, like not, I would not have said star in a million nope. years, so. no, nope, didn't even um, think of it as a shape. <laughs> Forgot it existed. Forgot it existed. Um, Anyways, we, we love you. Phil, but so next, next episode, we'll next episode, episode. Love you. Something else. We love you so much. Keep it weird. Weird. <laughs>